You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell, Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Glad to have you here with 66 days to go until the Colts season opener as we tape this Thursday afternoon, July 7th. Got a great show on tap. Our meet of the show will be ranking the top five Colts breakout candidates for this year. Heck, if you can get five guys to seriously break out, that, that's a really good year, first of all, for, for any team. If you have five guys to take a significant step forward like that and really kind of come into their own or uh, in their careers is, is awesome. So let me say that right off the bat. Like if all of, the, if all of any of our five guys are like, yeah, they do it then you're looking at a pretty good cold season. Oh, yeah. This is kind of the five most, most likely, likely of to course. Stat, not that all of them and, will. Uh, of course, uh, chap, the, the moniker for Frank Reich is 1% better. and you, you get a little bit better, of course, but uh, for, for breakout they, candidates, this means something a little bit extra They need special. more than 1% from these guys. Yes. And we'll see how. I'm sure we all differ on this, but... We do. We do. Well, we did last week for crying out loud. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still over that. But, but you know, is, is it... To me, it was to their value of, to the team that they need to break out. So, but we'll see where I think it'll be. Interesting. I don't think we'll agree on all of these, but I think it'll be very interesting. All right, but we'll start with the news around the NFL, and uh, the big news of the week is another quarterback offseason domino falls as Baker Mayfield is traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers. And uh, if the price was bigger at the start of the offseason, well, you know, it just goes down, down, down because the teams interested go down, down, down. And uh, the teams that need to get rid of those quarterbacks, their, um, their uh, what's, it, what's it called? Their uh, willingness to trade goes up, up, up. And uh, for, uh, for trading Baker Mayfield to the Panthers, the Browns get a conditional 2024 fifth round pick. And also Cleveland is paying about two thirds of his salary, 10 million. He took a pay cut. He did. Carolina is paying five million of his salary. Cleveland's paying ten and a half million, and Baker took a three million dollar pay cut just to get out of Cleveland. So clearly, he wanted out of Cleveland. Everybody knew that for a while, chap. For uh, for what he had been saying uh, publicly, very publicly, about the whole situation, which part of me understands it. If the franchise is moving on from you, so obviously you want to get out of there if you feel like you can be a starter somewhere else. And Baker has shown when he is healthy that he can be a dangerous quarterback. So he's going to see if he can do that with Carolina. He's a playoff quarterback. Yeah, I mean, in Cleveland, that's you know, that's you put up statues. That's something special. So yeah, it was kind of, but that's people were saying, well, with the Deshaun Watson uncertainty, do you keep him? No, they, they had planned on moving on. They they just had, and we were talking before we went on the air. I think for Carolina, why not? You're taking on a quarterback that might cost you a four in two years, mm-hmm. and you're paying five million dollars. And you've got a coach with Rule who has got to win. Would you rather tie your career to Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield? I mean, neither one. I said, you know, if I, if I had, you know, door, yeah, yeah. door yeah. number C or door number three. So I, I like this. I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan. When people thought that the Colts might go after him, I just cringed because I didn't think there was any chance. Mm-hmm. But this is a good chance for him. And it's at some point, when do the opportunities go by? I don't think Mayfield's there yet. You know, if Carolina doesn't work, he'll still get a chance. But this is, what, the former number one overall pick? Mm-hmm. 
And if not now, he, he's got more baggage that he's going to have to deal with. So I think it's a good deal for Carolina. And Mayfield has certainly had a great running game with him in, in Cleveland, Joe. He gets another one, assuming Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy in Carolina. That certainly always helps a quarterback. It's not the worst position in the world for Baker to be going to in Carolina. No, they just drafted a left tackle top 10, so that should improve the offensive line. I think he has better uh, wide receiver core in Carolina with DJ Moore, one of the more underrated wide receivers in the NFL with better quarterback play. He probably could have been putting up bonker numbers. Robbie Anderson's still there. Uh, Terrace Marshall, who they took, I believe, in the second round just uh, a couple years ago. So uh, I like this for Baker. I am a Baker Mayfield fan. I just kind of like his his moxie. I like to walk on the first overall pick story. Uh, I get the reasons people have to root against him, and every once in a while I'll be like, come on, Baker. I, I want to like you. <laughs> uh, so I'm really hoping for a Baker Mayfield renaissance. And, I mean, I understand why Baker Mayfield was uh, upset with the Browns. This is someone who played through, played injured much of last year, really put his guts and heart on the line, and then felt betrayed when Cleveland turned around and went for Deshaun Watson with all the questions and problems going on with Deshaun Watson. So I hope Baker can turn it around. I don't think he's ever going to be like a, I don't know, top-notch elite-level quarterback in the NFL, but he's shown, and I think he can continue to be a winning quarterback mm -hmm. who could bring you to the playoffs and win games in the playoffs. Yeah, as Chap said, he's a playoff quarterback. He's already proven that here in the NFL. And really, uh, all these quarterbacks that have moved around this offseason, all of them are – a lot of the big ones are playoff quarterbacks. You got Baker, you got Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, all T guys who have led their teams to the playoffs in the past. And if you look back 10 years, I think, in the NFL, Mike, teams don't let go, wouldn't let go of playoff quarterbacks quite that easily. Now I think there's been a bit of a shift in the paradigm as these young quarterbacks come in, they take the league by storm so quickly, and you anticipate them to have this stellar uh, career ahead of them that just having a quote-unquote playoff quarterback is not enough for teams anymore. The Browns really are kind of the, the ultimate example of this, putting their reputations, their franchise's future on the line. And to a quarter bring, of a billion dollars. Exactly, for a guy who is very much in question with his NFL future, but you know if he's on the field, he has shown the capability to be a guy that can do can win in the playoffs and can be the elite of the elite on, on that tier of guy instead of just a playoff guy. I don't want to say the problem, but, but, but the issue in the NFL now is the haves and have nots. You look around and you see Joe Burrow and, and Mahomes and Herbert and all of these young, Josh Allen, all these young quarterbacks, and you want one. And you, you want that guy to, to be, to, you know, Dak Prescott, I, I guess you put him in that. That Aaron Rodgers, everybody can't have those guys. So then the, the problem is, are you patient enough or confident enough that you can win with a, a second-tier guy, I guess is, is how I describe it. Because if you keep chasing, if you keep trying to chase and, and get the next Joe Burrow, I mean, how many years do you waste? You have to, if it's there, do. Mm -hmm. But you just can't make a market for for these young, you know, phenom quarterbacks, and the Colts are, are kind of in that place as well. They're on this carousel where Ryan's going to be the fifth starting quarterback for Frank Reich. But that's that's you you cannot grow your franchise doing that. But how do you get out of it? Arch in twenty twenty six. I said I, I, I'm battling, I'm lobbying for Arch and in and and then get Marvin Jr. There you go. And if Eden James looks that good at Howard, we could have the triplets 
you know, back here, but it's just so hard to, to get that guy, and it's so hard to accept the fact that you can't get the guy. And one thing that's interesting, if, you know, we'll see if Sam Darnold or Mayfield is the starter for the opener, and who does Carolina open with? Cleveland Browns. Ooh, that'll be fun. So how about that? I, I, I'd start him just for the heck of right? it. Right? I can't imagine Baker loses that quarterback competition to Darnold. I can't imagine it. That that would be that would be a tough, and it would be tough for the Panthers as it an organization be. because yes. they they made this move because at least short term they want to have him as their starter, right? And as we've seen, as Joe mentioned, he's played at a high level. Then he does stuff that makes you scratch your head and and gives you reasons to, to to not like him. And then he's got that chip on his shoulder that he hasn't learned how to manage. Like I said, he gives you reasons not to like him. Mm-hmm. But if you win, you can be as much of a jerk as you want. Speaking of chips on the shoulder, not necessarily of being a jerk, but the the, the giant chip on your shoulder, there's this guy, Darius Leonard, here with the Colts. And uh, so many of us have done uh, – we, we've done a lot to try to uh, assuage that chip on his shoulder, uh, try to be like, hey – you, you don't need this. You're, you're, we you're tried that with Robert Mathis, and it doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. No. It, it, it's ingrained in, yep. in some of these guys. And uh, the fact that ESPN surveying 50 league executives, coaches, players, and scouts uh, come away with uh, Darius Leonard being the top-ranked linebacker in the NFL will, will not do anything to, uh, to take that chip off his shoulder. And, and I'm sure Colts fans would not have it any other way, Joe, because of what he's been able to accomplish early in his career. But once again, uh, someone else uh, recognizing the, the greatness of Darius Leonard besides just us here in Indianapolis. Yeah, I've been saying it for a while now. I believe Darius is the best linebacker in the NFL because he gives you those splash plays, and that's kind of what the article alluded to, um, quoting AFC executive just talking up the plays that make a difference in the ball game. You can rack up 200. Five or six six plays. Exactly. You can rack up 200 tackles, but if you don't get those turnovers and those tackles happen 5, 10, 15 yards down the field, how valuable are they really? So uh, I'm happy Darius is recognized here, but I'm sure he's going to find something to motivate him when he's getting up at 4 in the morning to go work out every day. Some of those other top uh, top linebackers chat, Micah Parsons, the rookie last year with Dallas, uh, he, he did quite a bit on the defensive line, too. He became kind of a pass rusher there and was really, really good at it. So he's more of a tweener between a linebacker and a defensive end. Fred Warner over in San Francisco uh, is all, often compared to Darius Leonard. You, I, I would say Fred Warner is probably a little... Probably the other way around. Darius, Darius is compared, compared to, to him. Fred. Yeah, that's, that's not inaccurate. <laughs> that is not inaccurate. I would say Fred Warner is maybe a little bit better in pass coverage, and, uh, and Darius is a little bit more dynamic of a player, but that's just me. Devin White in Tampa Bay, Roquan Smith in Chicago, all great linebackers. But, but yeah, it, it, there's, there's no doubt that, that Darius not only it, it is deserving of a place among those, but, uh, hey, with, with his vote, that he, he deserves Chap to be right at the top of them. And, again, I, I just can't wait to see how he spends this the negative relief. No one believed in me. No one, that's right. That's Except right. everybody. And I always say, I I always challenge him or his followers who think that we're critical to show me. The only way we're critical is like now, when we're like, ease up. Right. That's how we're critical. And and one thing to keep in mind, (laughs) one thing to keep in mind is he's coming off back surgery. So we'll see how this thing plays out at the start of training camp. And hopefully it won't be the same issue as the ankle was last year after ankle surgery that he never got over. So uh, it, it's amazing to me that a guy can find motivation. And he told us, he spends time, he and his wife and his friends, they spend time looking on social media for, for disses. 
And hey, if it works for you, it worked for Robert Mathis to make him a, almost a yep. Hall of Fame player. So if it works for you, yep. it would just it would tire me out. It would. Hey, when you, when you guys go to training camp and get a chance to talk to Darius, can you maybe give him motivation? Say, hey, how do you respond to people not believing you can come back from the back surgery? There you go. Just give him a little something. Darius, I'm not so sure that you can come back from this surgery. That's right. That's uh-huh. right. That's that's totally going to be it. <laughs> I can see it now. That's a good point, chap. Like, that could be the first question. It might let, be. Let's, 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 instead of throwing softballs, say, there are a lot of people who say you, can't, you won't come back from this and be the same player. <laughs> and see where the interview goes from there on. <laughs> Darius, people say. <laughs> no, that'd be great. As long as he keeps making on the plays on the field and playing like he does, I don't care what he needs to motivate him. Uh-huh. True. Yep. No, no doubt about that. All right. Uh, Darius broke out a couple years ago as just a rookie uh, in his very first season in the NFL. Second uh, round pick was uh, dubbed by some Bleacher Report author that uh, it was the worst pick in the draft. Um, famously uh, broke out then. Um, so who, who are the candidates for breakout players for the Colts this year? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you, you rarely get more than two or three uh, on any given team, I would say, in, in a particular year. Guys who take a significant step forward. Who would you say broke out for the Colts last year? I would say, obviously, Michael Pittman. Yeah, Pittman definitely did. Took a significant step forward. I would say he, he's the first one. Jonathan Taylor really did, too. Yeah, because, even though like, he had a good rookie year. He had a good year. rookie year. But last well, year from 1,100 yards to 1,800 yards is, yeah. is a quantum leap. It is, it is. And, and the number of touchdowns he had w- was ludicrous. So both of those guys were breakout players. Um, after that... Well, you should have mentioned that before else? we got in here. Um, you, Grover yeah. Stewart's been No, he's steady. been good so far. Like, there's nobody else on the no defensive Kerrick line. He's been good. Yeah, he's been fine. Right. Like, he had a... He had uh, Syracuse. Zaire Franklin? Yeah. Uh, he, he played well. We, he we did. Keep, we keep... Mm-hmm. He still got the reputation of being a special teams player. He's a starting linebacker. Thank you, chap. And he, well, here, God, here we go. <laughs> and he got a second contract, mm-hmm. which you know, what, whatever you want to say about players, mm-hmm. the respect w- when you see the respect, it's did they get a second contract from their team? Right. And teams don't just hand. Well, it was mm-hmm. well, I think it was three years, eighteen million. Mm-hmm. I think no, nothing massive. I think it was three like years, so. twelve million. I thought it was four maybe, million. Maybe a year. maybe it was yeah. twelve. But that, that's a good contract. Great contract. And, and to, to get I'll a sec- take that contract. I'll sign it today. For a position player to get a second contract speaks volumes. And his seventh-round pick as well. The, Correct. The, his college coach, Dino Baber, just called uncuttable, and he was absolutely right about that. Um, so, so, yeah, those are candidates from last year. I think there's another name who might be on some of our lists, so I'm not going to say it uh, here that, that some people might think broke out a bit last year, but, but again, would not be in the same same level as... Uh, the two guys or the three guys that we mentioned. I don't think so far, he's on so. my list. Okay, no, he's is. not on mine, but but we'll talk about okay. him. And I think I think I we'll, we'll, we'll see okay. if he's on anybody's uh, list here. But uh, but Sounds never like was. playing cards. I know. Like I got my like, hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> nobody's seeing my list here. But uh, Joe, Joe, you suggested we go from five and work our way up to one, so we can do that. Oh, okay. Um, start start at the bottom, work to the top. Um, uh, and my my fifth one is actually it's it's someone I guarantee is on neither of your lists. I guarantee it. Because uh, Zaire just, Franklin so, is exactly, not on my no, no, list. No, no, it no. It's not <laughs> Zaire. He, he's already broken out, like you said. He, he's our dude. So, so anyway. Can I just, guess? Yeah, you can guess. 
Mo Alley Cox? No, it's not Mo Alley Cox. Mo Alley's not on my list, even though he was on my top ten list last week. For, How's that uh, work? For, well, <laughs> I, last last week was the guys that the Colts needed to like to, no, to we, be most valuable. This th- are the ones that's what I, your list. These was, are the like. most likely to to increase their value. That's that's how I approach this. Like breakout players, by my definition of that, you guys can share exactly. You don't what follow you rules. Very I, well. I never do. Uh, <laughs> I, you guys can share exactly what you thought, but but my my thinking going into this list was uh, these are guys that you you. Think Think X now about this player, and at the end of the year, you're going to think Z about this player. Like, they take, took significant steps forward. Like, the Jonathan Taylor is a great example. He had, like, 1,000 yards his rookie year, but he had 1,820 touchdowns his second. Like, he was starting from a good place, but took a quantum leap, as Mike said. So you can look at guys who are thought of a little bit, and they take a great step forward and become, like, a solid starter, you would think. You can take of guys that are nothing and become a key contributor. And that's kind of what my fifth player is right here, a guy that's not going to be thought of at all, but I think will become a contributor to the Colts this season and an important one. And it also is a nod to the history of the Colts with the undrafted rookies that was broken last year, the streak, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, having an undrafted rookie on the roster week one. I have Sterling Weatherford on here as my number five breakout candidate. For He's the not Colts. on my list. There you go. I didn't think he would be. Like I said, this one was like I said, it was a little out of the out of the air. Um, but um, the Colts do need a little bit of help on special teams right now. If you look at their roster, they get rid of Jordan Glasgow. Exactly. I was going to make that yep. point. See, see, you're making my points for me. Well, I love but it. He's still not on my list. Okay, fair enough. But uh, but Weatherford was a safety at Miami of Ohio in college. He's huge. He's six four two twenty five. So he's like Darius Leonard weight, and he actually a couple two inches taller than than Leonard, um, but but he's athletic. He went to Hamilton Heights. He's another one of those Indiana guys, and especially with some other players that I think are have been special teams key contributors in the past, getting more run with either offense or defense this year. You're gonna need other guys to step up, and I think Sterling Weatherford is a guy who can make this roster and be a special teams player. I don't know if necessarily he's going to be involved in like the blocks that we've seen Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed do the past couple of years, but he could be a gunner and he could be a key contributor on special teams. And may- maybe I include him, even though there's some other names that are more well-known that have the pe- potential to break out for sure. I just thought that he had a greater potential to be on this roster and have a, some kind of significant impact by the end of the year. Um, so, so that's why I, I at least wanted to include him in the discussion that, that we're having today. So I have Sterling Weatherford, my number five candidate for a breakout candidate this year. We can get into this in future weeks when we get into training camp, but do you see him as linebacker, safety? Or? He's a linebacker right now, according to the, um, according to the, the roster. Okay. And he's been wearing, I think, in a number of like 55. So... Uh, so I see him more as a linebacker. linebacker. Yeah, exactly. And they, they, like I said, the Col- Colts lost Glasgow last year. He, he might be Jordan Glasgow. Yeah. He was a linebacker by position, but he was a special teams player. Exactly. So so that's where I think he slots in. And, and I think at the end of the year, or somebody's going to take that spot for sure. I just I don't know exactly who it is. I think Weatherford might have a leg up on the competition, but that's why I think he'll be a name that, that people might know more so at the end of the year, and nobody knows him now. So in that sense, kind of a breakout, even though he's maybe not a... a, a, a uh, a name that you'll see on Sports Center, you know, or a name that everyone across the league will know, but I think people here in Indianapolis will know who he is. Well, and if you think about the linebacker situation, the contract, so Karake's on his final year. I think EJ Speed's yep. on his final yep. year. So they're going to need someone to 
really show that they can go into 2023 and step up and become a starter. So there you go. Chap, who do you have as your number five candidate, Golt's breakout players in 2022? I've got Matt Pryor. Because I, I think so much of the success of the offensive line depends on him being the guy. And we don't know if he's the guy. I was looking, he's got he's got 15 career starts. And it is six at right guard, six at right tackle, one at left guard, one at right guard, or one at left guard, and one at left tackle. He started one game in his career. That's it. At left tackle. That's yep. it. So if, if he can, and they, they believe, I don't know whether it's believing with fingers crossed or they really believe it that he'll be, that he can handle it. If so, that lets theoretically Bernhard Ryman go to right guard and compete. It strengthens the line, and Dennis Kelly can be your swing guy. If not, then you look at the possibility of Dennis Kelly or Ryman being your your, your left tackle, and you don't want to start a rookie left tackle. So I, I think Pryor is is it's it's his job to lose, and I think he needs to take that step up. Undoubtedly, and again, that's why he was on one of my lists last week. Is just he, he they need him to take a step forward, and uh, we I, I mentioned that Ryman. I'm sure Colts fans are excited about his future, and I would be too. He's got a ton of potential as having not played football for super long. He looked, uh, he looked resilient. He looked tough. He looked like he could learn uh, from both playing last year and, and in the Senior Bowl as well. But the Col- that's why we say the Colts loved him so much that they waited all the way till the third round to take him. And not only that, as Joe pointed out last week, their second pick in the third round to take him. So... Uh, so th- that that alone points to the fact that they are looking or they're expecting, I think, someone else to be that starter on day one. Matt Pryor is, is that guy right now. He's a massive human being. And and I like the fact, Mike, that he's had this entire offseason to focus on left tackle. I mean, you, you say he only has one start there. Yes. And we talked to him this offseason when he said, you know, the, the more you can do, the less you get paid, which was a great quote. Like the more, especially on an offensive line, the the more versatile you are, you can swing Te- here. Teams there. want love the versatility, and they, player says, "Let me if you let me play here, I can right. I can be a better player so for you." He's got the chance to prove it. This entire offseason has like he he knows this. This is a chance for him to prove exactly what his talents can be right. in the NFL. So yeah, I, I I thought that yeah I definitely have Pryor. We're gonna get to Pryor on my list for sure, mm-hmm. and I'm Joe probably has him on there too. But yeah, I'd imagine that you feel the same or similar about Pryor that he's he's a candidate for breakout this year. As well. Oh yeah, I I love. I've kind of been championing Matt Pryor throughout the off season. Really mm-hmm. uh, feel confident in his ability at left tackle. So I'll get to him a little further down on my list. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you have there for number five? Number five, I have Paris Campbell because if he stays healthy, he will break out. It's not, that's the biggest if is if he stays healthy, which is why he's not higher on my list. But I think a healthy season out of Paris Campbell, he could he, he could realistically hit a thousand yards and i don't think that's crazy to say whatsoever um this is he's now two years removed from the major knee injury in 2019 that he suffered in week two he was able to return at the end of the season against jacksonville um, from the foot injury so this he he talked about earlier this offseason now this is really the first offseason in quite a long time that he hasn't had to focus on rehabbing and recovery he gets to focus on his game really come into training camp in the season healthy and like we said, all none of his injuries are like a reoccurring back issue, soft tissue issues, the thing that, that can chronically keep popping up again and again. They're all different ailments that seem to happen um, in fluky ways, and somehow it's just hampered him three years in a row. 
Um, my confidence level in him staying healthy isn't the highest, which is why he's only at number five. But if he can, he will break out. Yeah, I, he's he did not make my cut here in the top five strictly for that reason because like I, I don't want to bet on him because I don't want to bet on the, for history to basically not repeat itself. I, I just think that he's going to be banged up again, and, and and maybe that's just on me for for thinking that. I I agree with you in the fact that if he's healthy, he is a prime breakout candidate, absolutely. Because if nothing else, chap, the opportunities are going to be there. Because right now it's Michael Pittman, and then after that, a big shrug of your shoulders. Who's going to get balls from Matt Ryan at wide receiver this year? Yeah, and he's on my list. We'll get to that, but. I, I I understand what you're saying. I mean, you, you're putting total faith in the fact that he'll finally play. Mm-hmm. He's played, what is it, uh, 15 games? Yeah. He, I think he managed like six last right. year. And yeah. this is his, this is his contract year. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. But uh, we'll, I'll get to him. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I just think that to put him on your list, as Joe and I, or as, uh, yeah, Joe and I have done, you're you're saying okay, you're gonna, he's going to stay healthy because if he, if he doesn't stay healthy, if he has something significant, semi significant in training camp, how, how do you take him into the season? Uh, I, I mean, a high ankle sprain or whatever. Yeah. So he, it, it's sort of the the odds are really stacked against him because of injuries, but but they're his injuries. So he, it, it's it's really tough to say a, a player who plays in the NFL has to stay healthy and avoid big injuries, but he does. All right, let's go on to number four. We've all given us some candidates, uh, and we're going to move on. Uh, Chap, why don't you excuse me? start us off with, uh, with who your fourth player is, then Joe will go, and then I'll finish it off on the other side. I've got Dio. Odiingbo? How do you pronounce it? Odangbo. I just, I just need to know you how to spell it. That's all you need to do. But, but you're on a podcast now, Chap. A weekly uh, I podcast. No, I, you better I, hope that he's not a, he's not a true break, breakout player. You'll have to had, learn his name. We had to be corrected with Ryman's name we did. a couple yes, weeks ago, but yeah. I just call him Dio. But his rookie season was just – it was spent getting healthy from the torn Achilles. And I don't know that I could really say he showed a lot of flashes. He showed some. Had the one big play where he collaborate, collaborated with uh, Buckner on the on the sack and strip of uh, Trevor Lawrence. Won the game. Won the game. As the, Jacksonville was driving. They were driving, folks. <laughs> uh, but I, I just think he's got it, – it's set up he, – he's going he's gonna to work behind Quiddy Pay at – Left in the big end, and he's a big end. He's six 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 two seventy six, and with that front four, with he'll be the backup in the base, but he'll he'll be one of the four guys in the pass rush. Yeah. So he will be given a chance, and you just look at this guy, and he looks like the Force Buckner. He's that big, so I I just think that it, there's an opportunity for him to really step – I don't know what step up means. Mm-hmm. Six, seven sacks, I don't know, but I think yeah. he'll be a factor. Yeah, I, I love Dio, and I'm going to get to him too on my list for sure. Love Dio, and he I, I think for, for him and Quiddy, you need you need at least one, if not both of them, uh, on your list uh, if you're a Colts uh, fan or a Colts media member looking at uh, th- this specific list for this year. Joe, who's I, did, you, I didn't yeah. put Quiddy on my list. Yeah, I didn't have him on mine either, actually. Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll explain a little bit more why when I get to Dio, like why I put one over the other. But, but, but go so ahead, Joe. Did. I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, my at number four for me, I have Danny Pinter because they're, you know, he as of right now is slotted into that right guard spot, and that's his job unless he loses it in training camp. It's his job to lose. He played really well um, in the three games that he started at center when Ryan Kelly was away, um, and I think Pinter. I mean, he was a guy the Colts loved in the draft. They wanted to trade up, they couldn't, and they still landed him. 
played tackles in college, has shown the versatility. Now he has a chance to really hone in at one position at right guard and really establish himself as a reliable starter. I, I love Danny a lot. He, he's great to talk to, um, was very uh, engaging, and, and was thrilled that he had some, some really good games last ball, year. Ball, ball State. Yes, Ball State. That's right. Chirp, chirp. Chirp, chirp. Yeah. See, I, I encourage you with, with this. You should encourage me. I don't get many, I don't get many Ball State guys, so I got That's a good point. Syracuse just has so many that, that come through. That it's, it's just a factory of, uh, of football-producing talent. So, uh, so yeah, you, I guess you don't have to be quite as happy uh, for me. I'll, I'll be more happy for you. <laughs> but, but anyway, like, I, I, I like Pinter. Like, I, I left him off my list just because I, I think it's hard to judge a breakout season for a guard. And, uh, and that's probably the only reason why. I, I think he's going to be the starter. I think he wins that job. Um, I think he has, even if um, Pryor is set on the outside, and you chap was alluding to, you could move Ryman inside. Um, I think he's still possible. You uh, want Pinner to be Yeah, you, you still have the, I think, Pinner being in the system for a while, being a professional for a couple years, um, certainly having a lot more experience that, than Ryman does. You, you want him to be your right guard. So, so I anticipate that, that he's that guy there. And if he can play as well as he did at center, then yeah, that, that you feel you feel really good, chap. I think if Pinter is your right guard and can and can play, like I said, as well as he did last year. That's what I say. If, if things play out right, you, you've got starters that you're comfortable with, but then you got depth, some depth of the guys that you know, whether it's Ryman who's you know on the come, or whether it's Kelly and people like that, you've got some decent depth uh, to turn to. My number four breakout candidate uh, for the Colts this year is Kylan Granson. I think you're going to need some better production at tight end. Um, I don't know how much Mo is going to give you. And I know I put Mo on my list last week for most indispensable Colts. And I, I explained it last week as the fact that he's more of a blocker as well. And they need that, especially with Jack Doyle gone. I was just looking, at, I did a lot of looking at snap counts for this, uh, for this week specifically, because. I figure a guy with a lot more potential to break out will also likely have more potential for increased snap count this year. You just expect them to see some more action. And I don't know how much more action Mo is going to see because both he and Jack had right around 50 or 55% of the snap count uh, last year for the Colts. So um, I think Mo's might increase a little bit because you got some rookies around him in a similar position. And Kylan doesn't exactly, even though they're both tight ends, it's not the same in line, also a good blocking tight end that he plays. So I, I do anticipate his snap count going up, but I just don't anticipate his pass receiving production going up all that much. Allie Cox. Exactly. Mo Allie Cox. I, so think, that, I think we've seen Mo. Exactly. And, that's and, and it's not a, no and that's, no. a knock. That's just who he is. Exactly. I, I Granson's on my also list guys I consider. Yeah. But he's got. He will have the chance because he he is what the other guys aren't. Right, I think so too. Like he, he last year he had eleven catches for one hundred six yards. That was it. And so what to break out? What do you want to do? Triple those stats? Thirty. 35. Yeah, you get thirty five catches for about four hundred yards. Maybe you can get three touchdowns. That that's that's taking a significant step forward. I think you might consider that as a breakout. I kind of do just from from what I'm looking at and. If, if he can do that, I think you're really happy. He, I don't know about he the, needs to do that. Yeah, I don't know about the four touchdowns. If you, especially if you, if you want to work some of these young guys in, I think red zone is a prime opportunity to do it with Jelani Woods, Drew Ogletree, because they can really throw their weight around down the red zone and be a really unique weapons down there. But but last year there were times that Frank Reich was trying to get 
Kylan Grant's in the ball in the red zone. It didn't work for this reason or that reason, whatever it might have been. Um, but he showed in a couple of games that when he gets the ball, he can, he can be dangerous with it as a tight end in, in the open field. So, so I, I, I think he's a really intriguing guy. And like, like Chap said, uh, Joe, he, what he does is he gives you something that's different than all the other tight ends. So the Colts are expecting him or hoping him certainly to have a much better year this year than he did his rookie year last year. Yeah, I think the opportunity is certainly there for him. Um, he's not on my list just because I, I, I'm not convinced he makes a team. I'm really not. The number of tight ends the Colts have wow. added to this roster recently and some of the reports that have come out on Granson's performance and practices and whatnot, he's going to have to really impress um, to make it. And the Colts usually keep about four tight ends. They'll keep four, so I think he will be the fourth. So maybe he'll be the fourth down there. But I, I just I think he could easily be beat out by Woods, Ogletree, um, so, but the, he will have the chance and the Colts used a fourth round pick on him. So they saw something in him. I don't think they want to give up on him mm. and it's way too early to be talking about that, but just the number of investments the Colts have put at tight end kind of shows that they're not putting all their eggs in that basket for a reason. Absolutely. No, no, they, they definitely invested heavily in tight end in this draft. And you don't do that if you're completely confident in the guys that you have there. So yeah, like that's, that's, I, I hope. Uh, if I think that he's going to be this good, or if you're Kylan Granson, a fan of him, you hope that it's just a kick in the pants. Be like, hey, these guys are right here. They're, yeah. they're hungry too. No, they it's want like, the balls like too. when they used the first two picks two years ago on defensive ends. Yep. If, if that didn't wake up the room, I don't know what would. Yep. So, so yeah, Kylan Granson was my number four. All right, let's move on to number three. Breakout candidates for the Colts this year. We're counting down five to one. I have Dio right here and a number three candidate, breakout candidate for the Colts. So once again, going to snap counts, um, and I compared him to Quiddy, and it was really back and forth to me which one I, I wanted to put on here, but, but I, I leaned toward Dio because I think he's going to get just so much of, more of an opportunity this year. Quiddy's going to be your starter, absolutely, but the Colts do like to rotate a lot on that defensive line. So last year, Quiddy had, what, 640 snaps, and Dio only had 170. Because he was injured, they were working him back slowly, and uh, he just... They didn't want to, to overstress that Achilles injury that he had suffered in the previous uh, February, I think it was, or maybe it was late January, I forget. So he's going to get, if it's similar to Quiddy, even a little bit less, he's going to get closer to, what, 500, 550 snaps, so he's going to like triple his snap count. So once again, that's going to put you on the field so much more. Um, he had only six tackles last year, and he had one forced fumble, half a sack. If he could get up to 30 tackles and like five to seven sacks, which is what I see Quiddy. We're doing about two, five to seven sacks. Maybe both of them can do the, something similar. Then the step that Dio takes forward is a, a whole lot more significant than Quiddy. So that, that's why I was leaning toward him. Um, you know that Chris Bauer likes him because he was thinking about taking him in the first round. Um, he fell to him in the second and was absolutely thrilled to get both Quiddy and Dio. And like Chap said, put everyone in the defensive end room on notice. So, so that's why I lean toward Dio as more the breakout candidate than Quiddy Pay, um, because I, I just think he's going to get so much more opportunity. And Quiddy started all, all 15 games that he played in last year. He had all that opportunity. And while I think he's going to be better this year, he's also learning a new position again, sort of, in, the, uh, in Gus Bradley's defense is what I was looking for. So, so it's also like he, he took steps forward, but it's also a half a step backward, I think, in order to learn something new. You can say the same thing for Dio, absolutely. 
Um, so I, I, I think that's kind of a wash between them, I guess is what I'm saying. So I, I just think the more opportunity for Dio is going to lead to a little bit more results at the end of the year. So that's why I lean toward him for my breakout candidate uh, than, than Quiddy. Joe, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I mean... You, you could still love Quiddy. You can I disagree. Lo- I, I got Quiddy love. I think yeah. Dio will be good too, and I think it is a good point that on third and long or obvious passing situations, he will probably slide in on the interior next to Buckner, so that'll get him more snap opportunities. I don't think Dio's going to be pushing Pay or Ngakwe off the field, unless maybe it's an obvious rundown, and then Dio can go take... um. Yannick Ngakwe's spot over there is a little heavier, a little stronger. So I think Dio will be heavily involved. It kind of reminds me of like the Raheem Brock role back in the day where he wasn't a starter. He was a good player. But he was a very good player behind Freeney and Mathis. And there were years he got around seven sacks and was very impactful. So played, a lot of, played a lot of tackle. He did. So I, I, I could see Dio being a similar version to that. All right. Well, what, what's your, who's your number three candidate breakout this year, Jack? At number three, and I considered putting him higher, but I have Isaiah Rogers. I think he's going to uh, really establish himself in training camp and take that other starting outside cornerback <laughs> role. Him and Brandon Faison will be competing for that. Um, I think Faison has the initial leg up because he's familiar with Bradley's defense. He played for him last year with the Raiders, but everything I saw out of Isaiah Rogers last year in limited snaps and opportunities – it was mostly good stuff. I didn't see him give up a lot of big plays. He's a hyper-athletic player. That's why they have him running back kick returns. And he has that speed to recover when the uh, wide receiver beats him. Now going into year three, um, I think he's going to take another step forward. And not to mention his ball skills. He has tremendous ball skills to actually capitalize on his opportunities to get the hands on the ball, not just knock it away, but come away with interceptions. I, I really think a lot of Isaiah Rogers, and I think – um, within maybe two years from now, he will be the top corner on this team. Uh, I, I like Isaiah, too, and he's who I was alluding to earlier when I was talking about a player that some might consider he broke, broke out last year a bit because he had three interceptions last year. And so you're like, hey, check out this guy in, in limited action, uh, able to, to make quite an impact out there. So uh, he, he was on, he, he's on my honorable mention list, and I can Same. get into, yeah, I can get into why he was, he was down there, but like, I... I I do not have any problem at all with someone putting him top three because if you think that he beats out uh, Faison, and especially if Gilmore get, gets hurt at some time, like they're going to ask a lot of him, and and that happens in the secondary. Gilmore's thirty one. Yeah, guys get guys tweak stuff. Guys need to sit out. Guys need breathers. And uh, and Rogers showed last year something that he hadn't showed before. He took a step forward last year. Chap, it, it would not surprise me at all if, if he takes a bigger step forward this year. He was he was close yeah. to being on my list, and he didn't make it because of who I got number three, but I can see him stepping up. You want playmakers. You want young playmakers. That's what this guy's done. What do you think about number three, then? I bet he's, this guy's not on either one of your lists. Rodrigo Blankenship. Hey, there he is. I just... It's amazing to me that his that his record breaking rookie season is a distant memory. All people, all I remember, is that he he suffered the injury at Baltimore in pregame, trying to apparently compare himself to Justin Tucker, and he he cost him the injury cost him the game with a block kick. I don't know about the block kick, but the, but the one he missed at the end. But but the most damning aspect was that when he got healthy. They stuck with Badgley. 
I mean, and Badgley had the same deficiencies as Hot Rod, lack of leg strength. So I think what people need to understand is they are very high on Jake Ferrite, who spent last year learning under Tucker. You're not making a good point for your guy. <laughs> I know, I know but, 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 it, but it does make my point. This is a guy that was, when percentages are going up and up and up, he's a career 83% kicker. And what what kills him is he's three of eight on kicks of forty six or longer. That's just you can't do that. Unacceptable. So that's what I'm saying. He he's on my list because he needs to break out. I know some people dismiss kickers, but doggone it, a couple of years ago, Vinatieri cost him mm-hmm. because they were so stubborn with sticking with arguably the greatest kicker in league history. He this guy has got to break out. I I wouldn't be all that confident going into the season. With Verite, who's not kicked in the league, so I just I just think that that he he's on my list because he needs to break out. I I kind of put this in my list on that they need to break out because of the important second head of the team. He's number three on my list. You sound like me last week, chap, when I had guys on my list because they needed to be there. I yet, know. Yet you 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 tore me to shreds. You you ripped me up. You tear well, those, me down. Those are most right round, baby. I I know. Yeah, I know. Okay. That, that, that's why we are who we are. We just <laughs> we, we make up the rules as we go along. And Darn right we do. That's right. And, and, and I love it. I'm fine by it. It makes for good podcasts. Exactly. It would be boring if we all had the same No, list. totally. Absolutely. And, and yeah, ha- having Hot Rod on the list is like, if he's a candidate, to, he is definitely a candidate to break out because mm-hmm. there, is a big, there is a big gap from what he has done in the past to what you hope your but, but, NFL kicker can give you, right? But he's like Sterling Weatherford. There's no guarantee he's going to no, be on the no. roster. No, yeah, you're right. Completely. It, it, again, it's they're not going to say, you know, he had a great rookie season. We're going to stick with him. No, I mean they, mm-hmm. they they made their their or their their beliefs clear last year when he was ready to kick. Yep. And they like, stuck with the good. kicker who was kicking okay, but you know, but he had the same problem. So again, he he needs to step forward, and, and if he doesn't understand that, then then he's delusional. Right. We've gone five, four, and three. Two more candidates for each of us. Colts breakout player in 2022. Chap, we'll start with you. And then Joe and then myself. Who do you think is your second Colts candidate for breaking out in 2022? Because he's a young player and because he needs to for, for the defense to step up, Julian Blackman. I think he was going to be a focal point going into his third year. And that was before Kahari Willis retired. So, you know... The issue now is going to be how quickly does he come back from the from the Achilles that he I think he tore in October. Mm-hmm. He's practicing. Mm-hmm. He's practicing sort of full speed. Great sign. So I I just think that he's shown everything you want in sort of a center fielder. Twenty one games, twenty starts, two interceptions, five tackles for a loss, and a couple of forced fumbles. Remember the forced fumble against the Packers in overtime. So he's a playmaker, and he sealed the uh, Bengals game. Mm-hmm. As a rookie with an Here's interception, guy. so he shows what you want. <laughs> the issue is injuries. It's, it's you know he's had two major injuries in what two years I, with, with the, the the ACL coming out of college and then this. But this kid's got a world of talent. And they, this defense needs him to be out there. He's got such a positive attitude too. When you talk to him, like nothing can tear this guy down. He's had two horrific injuries and comes out. There, there's no woe is me talk. With Julian Blackman, which is a, a breath of fresh air, so you're you're rooting for him again. If you're if you're a Colts fan, to, to see him 
be be a breakout candidate. And I did not have him on, on my list, although, once again, another guy that I absolutely can see being a breakout candidate. Um, I, I thought that at the beginning of last year, you got you saw a lot of what, what he can do. Like, he's a big tackler. He, he's a sure tackler. He can streak into the backfield every once in a while. They can make him do that. I would love to see that, that happen more. And under Gus Bradley's system, Joe, I think that we might see that a little bit more. Um, having the safeties a little bit more active and moving around here and there. So that, that, that's, a, I think, uh, more a reason to, to support Chap's argument that if um, we've seen great safeties in those systems before and moving around and uh, making plays all over the field, that Julian Blackman uh, would be a candidate to break out this year. Yeah, I considered Blackman. Part of the reasons I didn't have him on my list is he's already played so well that mm-hmm. for him to break out, he'd need, what, like five interceptions, something like that. Stay on the field. Because if he stays on the field, he's going to make plays. Mm -hmm. Um, Which he did as a rookie, so we can see that happen for him. And, you know, the first year coming back from Achilles, a lot. I think he could still be a quality starter. I'm not sure he can reach his peak Mm -hmm. in that first year back from the Achilles. So Mm -hmm. those are the reasons I left him off, but I certainly considered him, and I could easily see him breaking out. Yep, likewise. All right, who do you think is your second uh, candidate, uh, most likely candidate for a breakout in 2022? I have Matt Pryor at number two. I'm high on Pryor. Um, you you want to talk about tools for an offensive lineman. He has 35 and three-fourths inch arms. He has the length that you're looking for. It's something that Ryman does not have. Obviously, that doesn't mean Ryman can't beat him out, but I don't think he will beat him out. I think Matt Pryor is going to establish himself as a quality starting left tackle in the NFL, and there aren't 32 of those. So to establish yourself as a guy who deserves to start at left tackle is huge, uh, he'll be in for a big payday, and I think Matt Pryor is going to have a, a, a the best year of his life in 2022 because mm-hmm. it's going to get him paid. I also have Matt Pryor as my second uh, second candidate for this year, so we're we're on the same page there. And a chap's already mentioned him, so so all of us, whether it's uh, talent, which is part of it, uh, size and opportunity, also part of it. Uh, opportunity is certainly one of the biggest ones. Like he's going to have the, he's going to have the chance, chap, to prove that he belongs out there. And if I had. I guess in hindsight, if if I had ranked these, the guys I had listed as value to the team, he's probably number get, one. If he's he, he would value. he I would at least put him two. Yeah, and I'd probably put him one. I didn't, but but uh, again, we, we've talked about what he can do for this offensive line is is incredible, sort of one way or the other, because if it, if it works and he and he's not, I'm not saying he's a left tackle by default. He's got to show they can play it, and he's got to play it better than Eric Fisher did. I hate to keep beating Eric Fisher up, but he was awful in pass protection. And if he does, it just gives you so many other options with your offensive line. Yeah, quantifying it a little bit prior uh, was Pro Football Focus's 25th best graded offensive tackle last year with a 76.5 overall grade in pass protection. He had 241 pass blocking snaps allowed just eight quarterback pressures and zero sacks. Obviously, it's a different story and a different challenge when you're doing it on the left side for an entire season, but he showed a lot of promise last year. Yep, those are good numbers. Like, If he can be a, a top 30 uh, offensive lineman in the NFL – at like that that's that's not bad that is really not bad i'm not asking him to be a superstar left right. tackle but if he could right. be a top 20 you know yeah, fi- around 15 ish guy I, I think that's great for the colts we'll take that for sure all right brings us all the way to number one one player left 
And I don't know if you guys are going to have the same guy I have up here. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting nervous now. Uh, I don't. Uh, Definitely I, I don't. Yeah. I, neither, of you, neither of you do, because I've already said that Quiddy's not on my list. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, uh, I'll go last then to, to build up the anticipation okay. for what's going to happen. So Joe, why don't you lead us off with your most likely candidate to break out this year? Chap will go next, and then I'll round us out. You can tell me how, how crazy I am to have this guy on my list. I have Quiddy Pay. I've been high on this player since the Colts drafted him. I predicted eight sacks for him as a rookie. He got to four, so he didn't quite, you know, I, I was quite, quite bullish. High. Yes, yes, absolutely. But um, I think Quiddy Pay, you know, my list is made up of players who have talent and opportunity. Yep. Each one, Pay, Pryor, Rogers, Pinter, Campbell. And I think Quiddy Pay is the obvious first round talent. Um, and I think he has opportunity coming off the left side. He's going to be in every or near every down starter for this team. And with opposing offenses putting their focus on uh, probably DeForest Buckner, number one in the middle, and then Yannick uh, coming at their quarterback's blind side, Quiddy Pay is going to get a ton of one-on-ones against the other team's second-best offensive tackle. And I think he's just going to be able to clean up. I think eight sacks is the floor this year for pay. I think he can get up to 10. The floor. The floor. Oh. The, the only question is how much is there going to be to get go around because Yannick is going to get his. Buckner is going to get his. I'm really high on this Colts defensive line this year, and I think pay is going to take that next step. If he goes from four to eight sacks and establishes himself as an every-down linebacker, he played well against the run last year. Um, I think Quiddy Pay is going to have a wonderful year. I, I think, Chap, you can't discount what Joe said about having Yannick on the other side there. Just having another threat on the edge should do a lot to help, whether it's Dio or Quiddy, whoever is on the other side, uh, being able to not get quite as much focus on him when, when he's out there. We talked about that a couple of years ago with DeForest Buckner. Yep. What, what you know, the attention he brings, what that allows other guys to do. And now you've got Yannick on the outside, so, sort of similar to Justin Houston. Certainly younger, but I, and they're going to want more out of Ngakwe than they want than they did Houston. But yeah, I, I think it's it's the, the 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 what tells you about a great player is does he help those around him? Not just does he get does he get his? So so if these guys get double, you, you and and again if you don't double Buckner, he's going to tear you up inside. And if you don't double or at least pay attention with a chip or whatever to, to, to Ngakwe, he's going to get his. So there will be opportunities. I probably, if we had a longer list, I probably should have put Pay on there, maybe over Dio. I don't know. I just sort of like, I'm buying into the Dio what they're selling. I'm just not quite sure that he, like that Quiddy can get eight or more. Like I, I think he's still going to have a good year. Obviously, like for for me, a breakout for Quiddy would be what Joe is explaining for sure because he had a pretty decent year last year. I just don't know if he he's so, saying Gakwe gets ten, Buckner gets seven. I don't know. He's let him in sacks the last two years, which it's great for Buckner, but mm-hmm. that your tackle cannot lead you in sacks. Ideally Can't. not, no. So I, I think they I, – I like this defensive line. Yeah. I used that stat last week that uh, Ngakwe's got like 55 career sacks and the other defensive ends on the roster have like 20, 25. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one or both of those guys will break out. I don't know if, if both Dio and Pay will, but you like the, the – possibilities with the defensive line. Who do you have there at number one then, Chap? Who's your top candidate? Yeah, to and I'll take abuse. I've got Paris Campbell. Uh, it, it's a leap of faith. It just is. 
but I think of what first he needs it. it it's 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 incredible that he's in his contract here. It's just incredible. Uh, but if he stays, if 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 he stays healthy, like Joe said, it, I I wouldn't be surprised at all with a thousand yards because he's gonna he's not gonna be twelve yards a catch. He's gonna be I don't know fourteen, and he he's the wild card that is gonna that, that that this offense is gonna hinge on. If he plays, it's 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 a pretty good group. I still think they need a veteran. I'll beat my head against the wall until they don't do it or whatever. But he he gives this group a chance to do something. It allows everybody else to sort of settle in. You know, all of a sudden Alec Pierce doesn't have to be your number two. He can be your three. And then the guys that are fours and fives can be fours and fives with, with Patman and Strawn. So I, I've got him one just because of what his value can be if he can be that guy. Can you imagine the conundrum the Colts would have if he does stay healthy and have a thousand yards, and then his contract expires? What kind of contract we've do talked, you give the we've guy? talked about that with Michael Pittman well, uh, in, in two years? Well, Pittman's a guy who's been healthy, but like if Paris Campbell, you got three years of nothing, and then in the final year he gives you a thousand yards, and I don't see how you can give anything to him but another prove it deal and be like, prove you can stay healthy for another show, show year. me again. Yeah. Someone's going to give him a deal. Someone's going to give him a deal. And that's the problem. Yeah, and that's, exactly. that, that's the issue. I keep saying problem. So I just think that, and again, we talked about this matters not one bit, but for guys that you pull for, this is one of them. This is a guy that does things the right way. He prepares the right way. He's got his head on straight. And he just can't catch a break. I went back when Frank Reich was talking in the offseason about him. He says, you know, sometimes you just kind of bet on a guy finally getting, I think he used the word breaks, which isn't the greatest word to mm -hmm. use with him. But at some point, again, we've talked about these aren't just, these aren't hamstrings. These aren't, you know, minor injuries. They're, they're major things. And maybe, and, this, and he wasn't hurt in college. He was not hurt in college. So, Maybe this is a year, and, and, and maybe he doesn't make it out of training camp. And so if Frank Reich wants to bet on something to happen that has not happened uh, in recent years, then, then go ahead. Uh, bet against the house. And that, That's why they keep building casinos it, in Las exactly. Vegas. Exactly, and that's why I didn't have Paris on my list. That's the only reason. Talent-wise, absolutely, he's there to, to break out and do so much better than he has in the past. But I'm just not, I'm just not counting on it. I can't wait to see. Is there a drum roll you can put in here? There we go. You know, it needs to be someone to catch the ball because you figure that someone needs to gain some yardage. But I, I think it's Ashton Doolin. I think that there's a big ceiling in front of Ashton Doolin to, to be a breakout star this year for the Colts because you've got Pittman right there. You, you, you're very confident in what he can do. And after that, you need a wide receiver to step up. I'm on the record very much saying that I think Alec Pierce has a little bit of a way to go. Um, I'm intrigued by Des Patman. I think Michael Strawn still is very much a developmental player. Doolin last year flashed a few times, just a few what, times. He had 13 catches? Yeah. He had 13 catches, 173 yards, two touchdowns last year. He, he never had more than two Great catches. Great touchdown, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No kidding. <laughs> he never had more than two catches in a game uh, in 2021. So... I think he's going to get a lot more opportunity this year, very much in the Zach Pascal role that we saw Zach break out in his second or third year. 
I think Ashton now... He's got skills that Zach Pasqua does not have. That's true. That is absolutely true. Malone College representing in the NFL. I think that Doolin could very much approach 40 to 50 catches. I think he can get 550 to 600 yards right around that range. They would they would kill for those numbers. Yes, they would. And, and somebody needs to. That's the thing. And I'm just I'm just not betting on Paris Campbell to be that guy. And after that, somebody's going to have to do it. And since Ashton impressed me enough last year, more than more than Patman did, and certainly more than Strawn did. And like I said, Strawn like, couldn't get on the field. Yeah, exactly. That's that's we, I remember exactly. We asked, we asked Frank in December, why, "What about Strawn?" He said he's not ready. Yeah, and that that's why I'm leaning toward Ashton as as the guy that I think somebody somebody's going to step up in the wide receiver room. So I just think it's going to be Ashton. Yeah, I have him in my honorable mentions. Okay. I almost put him uh, instead of Paris Campbell, but I didn't because Paris Campbell's going to get the first shot. So if Paris Campbell doesn't get hurt. Ashton Doolin's not going to get on the field instead of Paris Campbell. But I have similar numbers. If Paris goes down, I could see Ashton completely uh, becoming more of an every-down player than Pierce, who might not quite be ready, like you said. I think that's kind of a wild card. And I think 600 yards and four touchdowns as a field stretching, kind of like that number three wide receiver, um, is absolutely in the cards for Doolin. Uh, again, I didn't put him on there because – Campbell stays healthy, Doolin's not going to take his role, and if Pierce is ready or makes great strides in training camp, Doolin's not going to take that up here. So he kind of has to hope that some of the guys in front of him uh, aren't up for the task, not just his talent alone beating them out. I don't disagree. Um, I I don't know if necessarily Alec Pierce is is ahead of him right now. I think that Doolin is, is kind of ahead of Pierce in the pecking order right now. But Paris is definitely above him in the pecking order, I would say. You've got Pittman, Paris, and then Doolin, and you're trying to work in Pierce here and there. And then, then they'll determine in training camp exactly how much he can benefit them in the regular season. Maybe he does take that jump then. So We've talked, too, about, you know, I mentioned you know, Paris Campbell being sort of that wild card is the domino effect of him staying healthy. Yep. It, it's Doolin not getting as many snaps just because – and, and how it impacts Naheem Hines in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he, he's, he'll probably work more out of the slot, which as much as you're going to try to get Naheem involved, which they will, they, they simply are going to. Uh, but, I, 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 again, do, I, again my, my, my also considered list, uh, Rodgers, Granson, Penner, and Doolin. God, I wish I'd have put Quiddy Pay on her. I just, it's it's inc- uh, Dio beat him out, okay, but but I think again, if two or three of these guys come through, and in my mind, as we talked, isn't prior. I mean, as far as the value and impact of the team, your left tackle has got to be somebody you can rely on. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Oh yeah, uh, my honorable mentions. I had Blankenship just because you know he has a chance to really solidify himself as a Colts starting kicker. But he didn't make the top five because... And you got a thing for Hot Rod. I, I do. I've, I've always liked Hot Rods. I kind of latch on to these players. Um, kind of like a lost puppy. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. But I am intrigued by Verite. I really am. Uh, the guy who I hear has a big leg behind Justin Tucker, um, so I can't fault him for not you know, earning that job. Um, so I, I'm not convinced that Blankenship wins a competition. I think he... Is the favorite, and then the other guy on my he's got he's got to win the job. Oh, I yeah. think I really do. Yeah, 
Um, so he's honorable mention, but he didn't make my top five. And then I have uh, Michael Pittman Jr., just because I think similar to Taylor from year one to year two, I think Pittman could go even higher into the stratosphere from year two to year three. He had 88 catches last year for 1,082 yards and six touchdowns. I could see you know that becoming 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, so I considered Pittman, but I just thought he already had such a good year last year. He would really have to do something special yeah. to be considered a breakout on top of what he's already done. That's not that's not ridiculous for sure. Like you look at guys like like on that level, and, and you can say that Yannick Ngakwe could be playing with the best defensive line he ever has if you have a. a What's his name? Buckner, uh, right alongside him. And if Quiddy Payne takes what's, the step. Good old what's-his-name. Good old what's-his-name. Buckner. That's the <laughs> la- first time anybody here has had That Jaguars D in the – when they You're right. It was AFC really championship good. championship yeah, was pretty it was darn really good. good. So maybe, maybe I'm overstating things. But it could things, be. If Pay, if pay yeah. turns out to be what they hoped he was when they yeah, drafted exactly. him. Yeah, exactly. Then at that point, you know, Ngakwe could take a significant step forward. He can get 15 sacks this year if, if other guys are taking all the uh, all the attention away from exactly, him. Exactly, because I don't think it's crazy to say that Pay I don't think it's going to happen for the record. He but could yes. extend Ngakwe this year. Yes, yes. I, I'm not. I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, it, it's intriguing. Like those guys can, uh, yeah, maybe like an Okereke can get a couple really takeaways, and he can thrust himself into like a Pro Bowl ca- conversation mm-hmm. with the number of tackles he gets. So. I mean, his pick against the Patriots was incredible. He's was. got that in his capability. Yep, yep. So. Um, so lo- lots of options, and, and like like we said at the beginning, if if three of these guys can take significant steps forward, I think you, you feel good about yourself. And if you get more than that, then that's icing on the cake. And there's a lot of guys that have this uh, a lot of potential. It's going to come down a lot to opportunity, and uh, just what what's been done already. I think a lot in the off season, guys preparing themselves for these opportunities because they're going to be out there. Wide receiver, defensive end, left tackle on the offensive line. Like you know, different guys have to step up as we enter the 2022 season, uh, if the Colts want to get to uh, where they want to get to uh, come, come the end of the year. So um, for, for more Colts content, we encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Uh, Mike Chappell, you can find his work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Follow us all individually on Twitter. Mike is at mchappell51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. I'm Dave Griffiths. We do appreciate listening to this Colts Blue Zone podcast. Guys, next week we're starting up with training camp talk. I know it's only two weeks away right now, but we'll just start doing previews, uh, offense, defense, and uh, we'll talk about um, some, some, some camp battles there in the near future as well. When we get to camp itself, but but it's July, Mike. It is July. I can't believe how quickly the calendar mm-hmm. flips. It's in maybe the, the older you get, the quicker it goes. But it's just incredible. Yep. The camp starts in like three weeks. Yep. Looking forward to it. It'll be a fun time out there. And Westfield going to be completely open for fans. Chance to see and really interact, Joe, as some that the fans haven't had the last couple of years. Actually, have that face to face back and forth with with the players, which uh, which they I'm sure have missed uh, very much. Yeah, I just, goodness gracious, I hope it's not as hot as it's been the last oh, say they Lord have mercy. Practices at noon. It's going to yeah. be well, Like 2.30 wasn't, you know, why don't we wait until it really gets hot? Yeah. But uh, I think one thing we need to keep in mind on, on training camp, the schedule, those are subject to change. I mean, don't you think if it's going to be 95 degrees at noon, they're going to go at 8 o'clock in the morning? I wouldn't be surprised, yes. Like so I, you, I think maybe they move things back to, to, to make it a little bit more difficult. But if it gets to that level then you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if they move things up completely. So at least I hope they so do. So be flexible, folks. Exactly, for, for all our sakes, including us in the media. So we appreciate you listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Follow us, uh, like I've said before, on, on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. And subscribe to get us delivered to your podcast listening device 
every week right when we drop. We'll see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 